Greetings, Atlanta. I'm speaking to you from Yerushalayim. I want to let you know the weather here is spectacular. And if you were thinking about a visit, this would be a great time to come. It's always a good time to come to Yisrael and Yerushalayim. I want to start out by thanking uh, the Beth Jacob community for uh, and anyone involved in setting up this lecture series for giving me the opportunity, the honor of uh, participating in this very series, uh, the very special series on the Asarsa Dibros. This is not the first in the series. I'm sure in Rafelman's introduction, he spoke about the fact that these Asarsa Dibros are not merely a heap or a, any grouping of mitzvahs, but rather they represent the basis and the core, the entire mitzvah system of the Torah. The, the Gaonim of Haigon is famous for deriving the for all of the 613 mitzvahs, which one of the 10 here is its basis. But basically, when we look and think about these Asarsa Dibros, we're talking about the root out of which the entire Torah emerges, or the core. And one of the things that we gain sensitivity to the more we learn Torah is just how carefully structured this document is. The fact that Anochi Hashem Lokecha, our discussion today, I'm Lord your God, is the first of the Asarsa Dibros. So the beginning, in a certain sense, the root of the Asarsa Dibros is going to be the first or the racious of the Ten Commandments. So by looking at this verse, Anochi Hashem Lokecha, I'm the Lord your God, we are effectively looking at the core of the core or the root of the root. Not surprisingly, what is this Pasuk all about? So this is the verse that obligates us in Amuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Makes sense. We understand that our understanding of reality is that it is an opportunity for us to create ourselves as beings in relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that the creation is for relationship, specifically relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the foundation or prerequisite really of any relationship is recognizing the existence of the other. That sound, may sound a little bit trite, and it has been in relationship understand that is, it, it's not, but it's fair to say that the basis of any true relationship is going to be the recognition of the existence of the other. When we're talking about a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's Emuna. Now, we can ask kind of a, what might at first sound like a kind of a funny question, which is emuna in who? And what I mean by it, it's not actually such a silly question because we have to have a, the obvious answer is we have to have a Kaddish Baruch Hu, we have emuna in a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but he holds many hats. He has many, many different relationships with creation. He's the giver of the law. He's the savior. He's the executor of justice. He's the creator. When we say we're supposed to have a emuna in the Kaddish Baruch Hu, in God, in Hashem, what aspect of his relationship with Ali, which name would be another, which name of a Kaddish Baruch Hu is it that we're really talking about? So the Rambam makes clear that we're talking about creator. The way the Rambam puts it is Yesoda Yesodos, the foundation of all foundations, the Amoda Chachmos, and the pillar of all wisdom. Is to know that there is a first reality, <clears throat> he brings forth into being all that exists, and go on to say that our obligation in this comes from our Pasek, right? This knowledge or this emuna, this belief in God, it's a mitzvah, 
Anochi Hashem Elokecha. Okay, so the Rambam makes clear that the Mamsi Kol Nimsa, the Matsui Rishon, this first reality that brings force everything, that's the that is the target or the focus of our obligation of Amuna, meaning in our language, in the simplest terms, we're talking about Creator. The Ramban echoes this in his own explanation of this particular verse. Hadibur is a says the Ramban. This is a mitzvah Amar Anuchi Hashem. I am Hashem, which he goes on to explain, means Kadmon, prior to everything else, Me'ito Haya Hakol Bechevitz B'Yecholet. That from him comes everything through his will and through his capability. Again, both of these are focusing on the idea that Akash Baruch Hu is the basis of reality, the source of reality in our language, he's the creator. Now this makes perfect sense when you think about it, because really, that's our first encounter with the existence of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, for sure. When we open our eyes to the world, become aware, self-conscious on any level, of the fact that we exist in this world, our first question should be, anyone with decent midos should be asking this question, where did all this come from, right? That's the way the Medrash describes the process that Avram Avinu went through in his discovery of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? In his famed discovery of the existence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, he was hidden in a cave for a number of years, hiding from Nimrod, who was trying to kill him. The first time he emerged into the light of day or the day in the light, the day in the light, his first question was, who created the heavens and the earth and me? Right? So historically, in the history of the Jewish people, Emunah begins with the Emunah of Avram and the Creator. Our own personal development and relationship to the Sparkle has to begin with the idea of source of existence, and we find now on the mitzvah, in the structure of the mitzvahs, the base obligation that we have is a muna in Kaddish Baruch Hu as the creator. We have a little bit of a difficulty if we look carefully at the Pasek, because the Pasek says, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am the Lord your God, that's fine. Asher hotzei sicha me'eretz mitzrayim mi'beisavadim. I am the one who took you out from Egypt from the house of bondage. So what's going on over here? It sounds on first reading that my if the Pasuk is coming to obligate me in Amunah, the Amunah I'm obligated in is the God who took us out from Egypt. But we see all the Mepharshim explain, all the commentaries say that the obligation of Amunah is specifically Amunah in the Creator. So Ramban answers this very easily by telling me that the that took us out from Egypt is not explaining who I'm supposed to believe in, but it's explaining how I'm supposed to believe in him. In him, Meaning, says the Ramban, the base of our Muna, and this is extremely important, the sheet of the, the approach of the Ramban is that the basis, the foundation, the source of our Muna is our experience of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. What the Ramban explains is that the experience of miracle, certainly systemic miracle, is something that proves to me that physical being with its natural law cannot be the basis of existence because if that was true, miracles, violations of the law of nature would not be possible. When we experience nace, especially systemic nace, then that makes clear that the realm of nature, the structure of natural law, physical reality must exist in a larger and deeper context. From this, we derive awareness that there must be Kaddish Baruch Hu. 
Now the truth is, the Ramban takes it to another level and saying that not only Anochi Hashem Elokecha, every word in this passage is actually very important, Anochi Hashem, I am God, Elokecha, Ramban includes in the obligation of this particular passage the fact that we accept the Creator as our God, meaning we're obligated to serve Him, Anochi Hashem, Creator, Elokecha, your God, Asher that took you out from Egypt. That's how you know the Creator exists by the experience of the miracles of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. Mi beis avadim, from the house of bondage. Meaning the Ramban is not merely interested in the experience of miracle proving the existence of the Creator, but the specific miracles that I need to look at for my Amuna is the miracles of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim because those were miracles that not only demonstrated that there was something beyond nature, but those miracles accomplish the fact that they took us out of bondage. They took us out of slavery, which therefore obligates us in the service of the person who saved us. So for the Ramban, we have two different elements to this verse, this obligation of Muna. One is the recognition of the existence of a creator. And the second, which is part of the mitzvah of Amunah, inextricably bound in with the mitzvah of Amunah, is the obligation of service to this being that is the creator. Okay, so Ramban, I have a mitzvah of Amunah, and the very mitzvah of Amunah tells me how to, to achieve that Amunah, how to gain that Amunah. I need to in, engage the experience of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim with its miracles, together with the fact that those miracles are taking us out of a context of servitude, which give us belief in a being to, who I am, to whom I am obligated in service, what we call Malchus Kimsha. That's a little bit difficult for us, obviously, because we live in a world that repudiates the possibility of miracle. It really flies in the face of everything that Ramana is saying, or in a certain sense, it really it really substantiates what he's saying. Right? Aramina comes from the experience of miracles. We live in a world which denies the possibility of miracles and therefore denies the existence of anything larger than the physical reality, i.e., emuna. So, but the, the reality is if we, we live in a cultural context that makes these miracles that these Mizraim far from us, and it's a whole process that we need to go through, uh, that, we, that we need to go through in order to develop an ability to engage in those miracles as reality on the same level that we would accept history as reality. It's a challenge. That's his own challenge. Not so much a topic today. Read the book. <laughs> okay, but uh, the Rambam, Rambam has a, again, what's our problem here? The problem is that we know that the Pasuk obligates, all the Mephoshim tell us the Pasuk obligates us to believe in the Imuna, to have Imuna in the Creator. Yet the Pasuk goes on and talks about taking us out of Egypt and out of bondage. Ramban's answer is that part of the Pasuk tells us how we come to the Imuna. We, we can return to the question, we're supposed to believe in the Creator. We already saw in the Rambam that that's how he understands the Pasuk also. How does Ramban, Rambam, deal with the fact that the, the Pasuk itself discusses Mitzrayim? Very simple. He ignores it. When the Rambam comes to explain that we have this obligation of Amunah and he quotes our Pasuk, Anoche Hashem Elokecha, as the base of that obligation, he conveniently stops after that third word, Anoche Hashem Elokecha, and never mentions Mitzrayim part of the Pasuk. What does the Rambam do with that? That's a longer discussion already. The Rambam also, obviously, takes seriously what happened in Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. The Rambam has a, 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 understands, just like the Ramban, 
that the experience of coming out of Egypt is the basis of our obligation to serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but the awareness of the existence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu that arose from that experience is not sufficient, according to the Rambam, to reach the bar of how compellingly we need to accept, believe, know that a Kaddish Baruch Hu exists. In other words, like the Ramban, my obligation to serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu, to serve something, someone, whoever took us out of Egypt, we need to serve. He took us out of bondage. We don't find out who that is on the level that we need to find it out until later, we'll see until Kabbalah Satara. This Pasek, Enoche Hashem Elokecha, which is bring us back to Kabbalah Satara and Harsinai, at that moment, when we come to our moon in the Kaddish Baruch Hu, it's revealed that this being, that's being revealed to us now, the Creator, He's the one who took us out from Egypt, and therefore the obligation of service we derive from Egypt has to be directed towards this being, which is the Creator. Now, the Rambam has the same result as the Ramban in the end that I have two obligations, an obligation to recognize the existence of a Creator and the obligation to serve Him. But whereas the Ramban holds that these are one, these two are are dimensions of one obligation. For the Rambam, these are two completely separate mitzvahs. One is the mitzvah to believe in the existence of a creator, and one is the recognition of an obligation to serve that creator. Everybody agrees the obligation comes to serve comes from Mitzrayim, but there's an argument between the Ramban and the Rambam where, from where I derive my actual amuna. According to the Rambam, where do I get my amuna from? The answer is Harsinai. Right? Why? Where do we get that from? The truth is, we have a Pasek. The Pasek is a Pasek that really seems to make this clear on a certain level. There's a Pasek that comes in Shmos directly before we get into the Asaras of Debras. And there, Vayomer Hashem El Moshe, Hashem tells, tells to Moshe, I'm going to come to you in a thick cloud. So that the whole nation will be able to hear me speaking to you. Also in you, they will believe eternally. This Pasuk is telling me that the experience on Harsinai is the basis of our eternal faith. In the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu is the uncompromising source of all Torah. But it says, Also in your, they're going to believe. The Pshat in that Pasuk is clearly, not only are they going to believe the Torah comes from you, not only are they going to believe what's the not only are they going to believe in me through this experience, but also they're going to believe in you as the source of Torah. For the Rambam, the, the Pusik seems to make clear, and the Rambam certainly learns this way, that our belief in a Kaddish Baruch and our belief in Torah are related to one another, which is intuitively obvious on a certain level, because all of our knowledge of a Kaddish Baruch, of our knowledge, I mean, it's, there's a certain intuitive knowledge from looking at the world, but our relation to Kaddish Baruch Hu, is completely mediated by the Torah for us. So this Pasek tells me my belief in Torah as from Shemayim, through Moshe Rabbeinu, that is, that cannot be separated from our belief in a Kaddish Baruch the implication being, where does our belief in a Kaddish Baruch come from? Actually comes from the experience of Harsinai, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. Now, wh why is that? So the Ramam explains, he explains that it really, in a certain, and in a certain sense, he's directing himself to the position of the Rambam. The Rambam says, "We cannot derive sufficient emuna, and the key word is sufficient. We cannot derive sufficient emuna from the experience of miracles. 
Anytime you have a Muna based on miracles, there will always be, it's what, what the Rambam calls, Imuna Shiesh Bodofi. It's a Muna which is not secure. And why is it not secure? Because if the basis of my belief that there's something there that's beyond the world and I have and I, I have I have some intermediate for understanding what that thing is, what happens when somebody else comes along with a miracle and tells me something else? Like David Copperfield makes the Statue of Liberty disappear. Suddenly I'm eating cheeseburgers, right? If you believe that there is, in, if you believe in someone's because you had an experience of a miracle, you can always have another experience of a miracle, which can redirect your emuna in another direction. Emuna, based on the experience of miracle, will never be sufficient, says the Rambam. Where does Emuna come from? Says the Rambam, it comes from Har Sinai. The question is then, Manishtana, what was different about Har Sinai? that it becomes on some level a <clears throat> basis for a Muna, which which is uncompromisable. In other words, on, on, on Harsina, we also experienced miracles, right? It was unbelievable miracles. Manishta, why are these miracles, Manishta not miracles of these Nimkola miracles? Why are the miracles on Harsina different from the miracles in Mitzrayim, right? What, what gives them some kind of a special basis? And we get insight into that from a Pasuk that describes the nature of our experience on Harsinai. What it says over there, and the Parshas Yisrael, is that, you know, Harsinai was an, an overwhelming sound and light experience. And what it says, Kolos, we heard shofars, we saw, you know, lightning, fire, smoke, everything. But it says a very intriguing thing over there. It says, Kol Yisrael at Harsinai were Roim S. Akolos. They saw the sounds. Very strange posse. Like, what is that supposed to mean? How are we supposed to understand that? So it's important to enter, shift from Hebrew to what we call Lashna Kodesh. Right? Lashna Kodesh is what we might call Hebrew as a conceptual language for conveying the truths of Torah. Right? right? We, we relate to Hebrew as a basically uh, an equivalent to any other language. I need to understand a word. I just look at the, the Hebrew English dictionary and the equivalent word for this is that in English. And then I can translate one way or the other. They're two languages, they're just different sounds, but they, uh, they each word is a, as a similar kind of a meaning from one language to another. That's not Lashna Kodesh. Lashna Kodesh has a much more conceptual approach to language generally. When we talk about the idea of seeing versus hearing, for the Torah, the, talk is, so the Torah is talking here about two different modes of experiencing reality. One is called sight, and one is called hearing, right? What's the difference? Each one has its strength, each one has its weakness. We used to say before Photoshop, seeing is believing, but Torah, the sight, seeing something makes it compellingly real and true to me. If I hear something, there's something there, but it doesn't have the same level of compelling truth. Like I can, I can testify in court about something I see, right? I see Yankala hit Yaakov, I can testify in court. But if I see Yankala and Yaakov run around a corner and I hear a blow and a cry of pain, I can't, even though I heard effectively Yankala hitting, I don't know, whatever, whoever, right? I can't testify, I can't testify about that in court because I didn't see it, I heard it. Hearing gives me a, a, a farther reach than sight, 
because I can hear things that are around the corner, around the bend. I can only see things that are directly in front of me, but hearing something doesn't give it the compelling reality for me that seeing something does. We have, there are certain aspects of our experience which we experience directly and they have a compelling reality for us. There are other aspects of a reality that are not in the immediacy of our reality where we have some connection to them, but they're not compellingly real to us. And what are these two modes, at least that, as far as we're as, as relevant to what we're talking about now? We live, in, we have two dimensions to our, to our humanity, spiritual and physical. We have the neshama, we have a goof, right? We exist through the melding together, the combination of those two. But there's no question that at least post Chet Adam Rishon, from the sin of Adam Rishon on, in the melding together of those two, the dominant of the pair is the physical. We experience reality through the physical world where physical beings connected to a neshama, right? And therefore what's real to us is the physical. We can hear amazing lectures from Rabbi Feldman about the spiritual structure of things. And I hear what he's saying, but it doesn't have the same compulsion as eating a slice of pizza, right? If I, you know, described you that moment of, you know, I don't know what the great pizza shop is in Atlanta, but you get your slice of pizza, you can feel that your tooth breaking through the cornmeal at the bottom that keeps the crust off of the pan and then you break through the slightly burnt crunchy part of the crust the soft piece underneath your teeth pierce through that and hit the chewy cheese it breaks it parts like the like 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 the like like yamsov and a little bit of that hot salty oil comes through and then you have the total experience of the crunch the soft the chewy and the, whatever we're all there we know what that is and it it's real to us that is reality for us but any, any engagement of the spiritual world, like you can have moments in tefillah where you have a certain sense of the reality of things. It's so passing, so fleeting. Generally speaking, the spiritual world for us is something that we hear, we don't see. It's not, it's not a reality. Our reality is physical. We are connected to spirituality, but it's not a reality. Our reality is physical. When it's, and that what that means is we, our, what is re'ia for us is physical experience. What is shmi'a, hear what is the sight for us is physical experience, what hearing for us is spiritual experience. We have a connection to it. It's not compelling. What happened on our Sinai was we were rowing as hakolos. What was normally in the category of hearing, we were able to see. What that means is that the spiritual reality became compellingly real. It was our reality. And the physical world was something we could only hear. In other words, we became a neshama connected to a goof, rather than a goof connected to a neshama. We were our neshama at that moment. In other words, what happened on Harsina was not that there was a hugely, immensely transformative event happening around us. It was a transformation of self. Right? And as a consequence of that, your neshama does not have any doubt that a Kaddish Baruch Hu exists. Your neshama emanates directly from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? The reason why we have difficulty with the Muna, because we're, 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 so, we're having so much difficulty integrating with our neshama. But what happened on Harsina is we were a neshama with a goof, which means that instead of hearing the existence of Kaddish Baruch Hu, seeing Kaddish Baruch Hu, we effectively were the existence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It was who we were. It was a moment when Emunah was integrally 
part of our being as opposed to something that we had believed, remembered, thought about. It's who and what we were. And that moment put a indelible stamp upon our personality for the rest of history, which means that we will forever have a level of access to achieving a muna that is distinct and unique to the Jewish people. Whereas the Ramba, Ramban was telling us that the basis of our muna is to re-engage the experience of miracles that happened to us in Mitzrayim, the Rambam says the bar for a muna is a level of certainty which goes beyond, you have, we have not accomplished or achieved the obligation in the Pasek, which effectively is just recalling a moment in time. There's no mitzvah actually in the Pasek. Right? It's an announcement. We're remembering that moment. But that moment was one of such indescribable clarity, compellingly true, that will forever set the bar of what we're striving to get to, to achieve or to fulfill the obligation of the Muna. Where does that leave us, right? Where does that leave us now? We're not on our Sinai anymore. So there's a, there are different approaches to the Ram. The Ram doesn't tell us how to get there. He tells us what the obligation is. This is worth noting. The language of the Ramban, he doesn't say we have an obligation to believe. Yeah, I mean. He uses the language, he, the verb that he uses is yidia, you have to know that God exists. And that comes directly from everything that we're saying over here. But how are you supposed to get to that? Ram doesn't, Ram doesn't tell us, doesn't tell us explicitly in the Adachazaka. There are those who, based on what Rambam discussed in Mor Nebuchim, right, in the Guide to the Perplexed, in the Guide to the Perplexed, there's a whole section in the Sefer over there where he utilizes Aristotelian proof, style proofs to prove the existence of God and the unity of God. Anyone who's ever tried to read Aristotle, I can't imagine what it is in the Greek, but even in English, it is thick, right? And Mornevuchim is not any easier in that section either. It really does not, the bottom line is it doesn't speak to us at all. Uh, so it's like the relevance of it, not sure. <laughs> Even, even, if, even if we can take the Moran Nebuchim as a guide to our perplexity in terms of how the Ramam, it doesn't so much speak to us. But there are others who hold, presumably based on the fact they'll say the Moran Nebuchim was written specifically for his generation in which Aristotle was all the rage, right? If you were an intellectual, a philosopher, a scientist, your first obligation was to master Aristotle. There was, that was true across in the entire cultural world. It was, it was completely dominated Arab thought, completely dominated European thought at that time. And the Morning Wuchim was written as sort of a guide to those that were so involved in that. So therefore, he adopts the mode of, the Arist of Aristotle in that safer in terms of how to approach Kodesh But there are many who would say that that's only being written for those who have gotten sort of lost in the philosophy of Aristotle, but it does not actually capture what the Torah itself understands should be the mode of getting to Amuna. So what is that? So, 
Rav Moshe Shapiro cited a Pasuk in the Mizmor Leoma Shabbos. In the Pasuk, it says the following. It says, Lahagid baboker chazdecha bemunascha balelos. To speak in the morning his great kindness and his emuna at night. Right? Pasuk tells us that Boker, morning, is a time to recognize the chesed of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but night is really the time to discover Amuna. What he means by this is, Rav Moshe Shapiro explains that in the daytime, we are so aware of the world and all of its contents. We sing the praises of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's kindness that he gives us and he creates all this world for us. But at night, real night, when it gets dark and you can't see the world anymore, all that we have left is our experience of ourselves. And what the Pusik is telling us is that the basis of Amuna actually comes through the experience of our own being, right? Meaning, Okay, this is already a longer discussion, but it's so important and it becomes increasingly important with every passing year in the world that we're living in now. We are, the sages basically understand that we have forgotten our own existence because we are so distracted and bound up in the world around us, looking at it, seeing it, analyzing it, understanding it, not saying that that's not valuable, but it comes to when it comes at the expense of being aware that there's a me who's actually looking at it. When I lose the experience of being, I lose something fundamental. Fundamental. Why? Because there's a pr profound distinction between the world around me and myself, which is by definition, when I look at the world around me, I'm engage, engaging it from without. I can only touch or connect to what it looks like, meaning what it is to be, what it is to see it, hear it, smell it, touch it. I can know what its appearance to me, but I cannot know what it is. I've experienced, I, I, can, I have access to what it, its appearance, but not its actual being, right? There's only one thing thing is a, not a good word, but whatever. There's only one that I have access to what it's being is, and that's myself. Because I am myself as opposed to looking at myself. When you lose, when you get so distracted by trying to look at the world around you, you're lost in appearance and you lose any connection at all to being what is. If you think about this, you'll realize we don't even know how to do this anymore. We don't even know. We don't even know. We, it's 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 interesting. Like when you talk about this with people, even with very very intelligent people, they like they miss it completely because we are so lost. We're so disengaged. We're so alienated from ourselves. We're lost in the world, which is very interesting. It's fascinating. It's fun. It's beautiful, but it's missing being. 
And the point is, when we try to understand Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? We're talking about Emuna. I said before, Creator. What's the name of a Kaddish Baruch Hu that we're talking about? Anochi Hashem Yud Vavke. The Emuna is in Yud Vavke. Yud Vavke is a synthesis of three words: past tense, present tense, future. Which basically means Kaddish Baruch Hu is being. And the point is, the only place where we have any a direct, what we might call a direct window towards the Kaddish Baruch Hu, is when we experience our own being and experience in such a way that we are aware that we are not the base of our own being, but rather we are part of something much, much larger. So it turns out now, my experience of self, my own being, is actually the window to Amuna, which gives a whole new understanding Let's start with this. We talk about Hashem has many, many different names. Again, all different ways that we relate to him. One of the names of the Kaddish Baruch Hu is Ani. I. The, the subjective experience of existence is a name, meaning a connection to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, which gives a whole other level of significance to the Pasuk, the commanding us in Amunah, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem, your God. Right? It's in the, it's through I, understanding the capital I, as opposed to I, what it looks like with the E-Y-E. Through that I, that is the path to Amunah. What we're really saying over here is, this also explains why the verse commanding us the moon does not actually have a command in it. It's an announcement. It's a statement of fact. And the idea here is that the reality of a Kaddish Baruch should be as compelling to me as my own existence, which sounds a little funny because in our, in our day and age, we're not even aware of our own existence. We've kind of forgotten about it. But health, a healthy person is aware of his own being, right? And that is ultimately the basis for us developing in one Kaddish Baruch Ramon Shapiro said a fascinating thing. He said, we live the Pasuk from, 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 the, from Shir Shel Yom of, of, of Shabbos. The Pasuk is telling us that the key to Amuna is night. What Ramon Shapiro said was, we live in a culture that's made war on night. We don't even know what night is anymore. There's no such thing as a moment when we are with ourselves. When the lights go down outside, we just turn on the lights on the inside, right? It's it, 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 in his phrase, night is nothing more than a cloudy day for us, right? We always live when we are conscious, we are in the light. And now with our devices, not just the light in terms of what we see with our eyes, there's no such thing as a quiet moment anymore. Any, any moment where there isn't noise coming at us from outside of us, we find a device to supply it for us. Once upon a time, it was the iPod, for those of you, the elderly among you, right? The phones, whatever, whatever you want. Tell, you know, the, the screens, the phones, whatever it is. We're constantly bombarding ourselves with what is outside of us to the point where we have forgotten that there's anything inside of us. Between the Ramam and the Ramban, we have two different paths by which to we have a mitzvah amuna it's the base of absolutely everything right it's the foundation of every single mitzvah right every every single mitzvah according to the zohar is just like a a, a, a form of advice for moving towards 
emuna, and the Gemara itself states that emuna is the essence of every one of the mitzvahs, right? It's like, that is the ultimate goal, is that sense of connectedness to HaKadosh Baruch. We said at the very beginning, actually, right? I said that, that emuna is a prerequisite relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Actually, emuna is not something that I just, does God exist? Yes, done, move on to the next thing. It's supposed to be integrally woven into my awareness of being itself on an ongoing level. Emunah isn't just something that is one of many mitzvahs. It's something that you check off. Emunah is supposed to be interwoven with my entire experience of reality and self, right? And the and the, the foundation of that, again, is we're, we're understanding, we're imputing to the Rambam, right? The, the basis of that is this, whether they put in the Rambam or not, but the, the, certainly what Rabbi Shapiro is coming to teach us is that the basis, the path for coming to Zemuna really comes in deepening my own ex experience and awareness of my own being, of myself, right? One of the reasons why I think this is so important for us today is that you know, not only do we live in a world which is filled, completely filled with these distractions that take us away from the self, but we live in a world which is beginning to challenge the very existence of the self, certainly in any meaningful sense. And what I'm really referring to is that we live in a time where humanity is focused on creating with its own hands out of a physical out of physical objects something which is indistinguishable from a human being right right and I, I spoke about this in Atlanta a, a couple of years ago it's my sort of my new like uh, go-to thing I think it's very very important that uh, you know as computers robots AI begins to develop more and more, we undermine our ability to distinguish between ourselves and an object. It's interesting, the great, the great challenge to faith of the modern world was once Darwin. Darwin made it difficult for us to distinguish between ourselves and animals. But it's being taken to a whole new level now. We're becoming difficult to distinguish ourselves from inanimate objects. Ooh, that's a new challenge. The fact that such a thing should be a possibility just a few years ago would have been considered an absurdity. And yet now it's uh, something which is coming closer and closer. It's not that it's coming closer and closer, but we're already at a point where, you know, the researchers are seeing that people can actually prefer relationships with machines and computers over relationships with people. Once upon a time, the existence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Nevoa and Miracle was something that was compelling and obvious to us through the world itself. That's already going back a long time. Bayashani already, right? What destroyed the second temple? Sinat China, hatred between people. What that means is the basis of our connection to Kaddish Baruch. That's what Beis HaMikdash really represents, the home or the base of that relationship. If it can be destroyed by social ills, that's telling you that the primary window on divinity in that time of the world was actually being able to see Beinot HaMachavero to recognize the Salman Lukim and other people. Now we're approaching a time where the only thing that's going to be left, the only way we can distinguish ourselves from a machine is through the awareness of our own being. 
And uh, it turns out that is, that's what it's all about anyway. We're being focused. Our attention is being focused on this particular point by the world around us. And this point that we're being focused on, it turns out, is the essence of everything that the Torah is about. Emuna is emuna in the creator, where a deep, what a deeper level of that means is emuna in the fact that there is a source and basis to existence. What it means by saying that the source, there is that which exists, Akash Baruch Hu, and everything else is emanating out from that on some level and gets its existence only to the extent that it's connected, participating, expressing Akash Baruch Hu into the world. We as human beings with self-consciousness have the ability through our awareness to connect to being, to be aware of our own being. And in doing that, we are being, we can be aware of an echo coming out from Akash Baruch Hu. And upon that, we can build a solid foundation of Emuna, the first of the Asadiros, the root of the root, the core of all the Torah, that relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, which ultimately is going to be built on our Emuna Kaddish Baruch Hu has to start with a certain level of Emuna in ourselves. And that Emuna in ourselves, the place to that, that's something that we actually we can develop a sensitivity and an awareness of that that will not only build ourselves as human beings, make us more significant and deeper people, but will give us a true basis for a connection to and a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Again, I want to thank the, all those that were involved in setting up this amazingly important series for the honor and the opportunity to be able to participate. And again, weather in Yerushalayim is amazing. Come visit. Hope to see you here soon.